0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to so the Winter is Coming Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with the editor-in-chief of Winter is Coming, Dan Selke, and Corey Smith, the expert on all things The Last Kingdom. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? And by gentlemen, I mean Dan, how are you doing this evening?
1: <laughs> uh, giving me a, a a solid seven.
0: Seven? Yeah seven that's not that's not too bad i mean what what dinged you from 10 to 7 i mean is there is it tired are you ready it's Tuesday. I
1: mean um, my home i haven't traveled anywhere for a while i'm hoot hunt over from a long day of sitting just like basic stuff but you know i have my health that's and cool. um a steady job and mm-hmm. uh, you know things like that so that's pretty good
0: yeah we're blessed in that way uh When is let me ask you this real quick. Uh, What are are the uh, stay-at-home orders looking like there for the Chicago area?
1: They are still in effect through at least the end of this month. Um, That's what I know right now. And I will say everyone in Chicago is very conscientious about the mask wearing. Like everywhere I go, big masks. I I left the apartment like a couple weeks ago to like go to the grocery store right after they – Made masks mandatory. I didn't have one. I felt like a leper. I felt like a freak. I
2: felt like
1: <laughs> like uh, an odd man out. I felt horrible. So I bought some right there in the store. I'm wearing them ever since. But then I, um, in other parts of the country, like my my relatives and friends, I went up to Michigan and there were like no one was wearing masks at all. So I feel like it is um place by place.
0: Well, yeah, in Michigan they're storming the Capitol. So I mean, you know, True. there's that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm here in Shreveport, Louisiana, and my wife and I are very, very adhered to the, to the mask. Uh, we wear gloves when we're out shop, exactly. pushing shopping carts and um, lather in the uh, disinfectant. And uh, it's just like, I, can, I think May 1st, not a single person could be seen with a mask. And I'm just like, oh my God, people, why? But I'm, I'm afraid we're going to see a big two-weeks. In about two weeks, you're going to see a huge spike. And and I I hope that's not going to be the case, but I'm sure it will be. Smith, how's it going this evening? You you are over there in Austin, Texas, home of the hippies. Are people observing the mask and stay at home? Wait a second. It's Texas. Nobody is.
2: No, it's, you know, Austin's the uh, liberal heart of Texas, but... Um, I think everybody's doing pretty good. I mean, you know, I keep a mask in my truck and, you know, if I hop out anywhere, I, you know, I throw it on and, um, I'm not quite, I don't really wear the gloves everywhere. I mean, we have them or what, whatever, but, um, I mean, I do wear the mask pretty much everywhere we go. Um, and then, you know, if you go to McDonald's or wherever, pick up some food, something, you know, the, they, you know, they're wearing masks and then they kind of, they hand you a tray and you take your food out of the tray instead of them handing it directly to you. So, you know, I feel like they do, I feel like everybody's doing pretty good down here. I don't think, I mean, people are kind of, you know, there's always some people complaining, but I I think by and large, everywhere I go, I'd say 90, 95% of the people are wearing masks. So, you know.
0: Well, hopefully uh, people will continue to use those masks until this thing abates. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe we can get over this. Maybe the heat does kind of make it die down a little bit. Who knows? Uh, until a vaccine is, is created. We don't know, but as long as everybody's staying safe out there. And we hope, here from Take the Black, all you people out there listening, or at least all you one person out there listening, Please stay safe. Please wear your mask and uh, stay at home when necessary. Okay, so let's get right into the tonight's topics. Um, we're going to talk about Corey Smith's favorite topic. Uh, well, at least Dan and I are going to talk about Corey Smith's favorite topic. and It's Westworld Season 3.
2: Hooray! And,
0: <laughs> and Dan, I want to get uh, your opinion right off uh, the cusp here. What, what did you think of that finale?
1: I will say this, um, I liked the finale more than I liked the rest of the season, because I felt something (laughs) at some points. I mean, Westworld to me is pretty much over, like I I don't think it really has much going for it at this point. Mm -hmm. I think whatever they had in season one, they lost, and season two was a bit of a meandering disaster, and season three was kind of a um, interesting, I liked how it looked. I. That's about all I liked. um, Like, very, very. I, I. I. I didn't feel anything the entire way through. Like, there was nothing connecting to me. I didn't care about Dolores doing whatever she wanted to do. I didn't really care. I mean, Maeve had more zingers, but I still didn't really care about her either. Because. It was very contrived a lot. Like, you could tell they wanted to get them the fight. I didn't care about the new villain. I didn't care about Serac. And, you know, he had a whole backstory, but they just couldn't make me care. I did feel something in the very end when – spoiler, 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 spoiler – Dolores was being shut down and uh her memories erased. And she kind of went back to that innocent farmer's daughter version she was in the first season – And she was all, beauty this, and humanity that, all that stuff. And I was like, oh, Dolores, that's great. Um, And that was it. (laughs) Like, that was the one moment I, I, I felt something. The rest of it, it was just so uninvolving the entire season. And not as clever as it thinks it is. And not clever enough to really be entertaining from, like, a mindfuck sort of way, which they at least had in season two. Just none of it really quite worked for me. But it, well, at our, least at least they made me feel something at the very end. A little late, but it was something. Right.
0: Well, their biggest twist the entire season was Dolores is everybody, right? So, like, um, you know, Musashi. Uh, Which, again, uh, who
1: cares? I mean, Dolores is kind of boring by herself. Not just everybody? Great. What would he do? I don't know. Really yeah,
0: do big deal. Dolores is everybody. I. Here's my thing is the same Dolores who was killing that rich banker in the first episode the is, is also supposed to be the Dolores who loves humanity and wants to save humanity, right? So, yeah. I just, I i, I like that Dolores. I like that version of her. And she had some good moments during the season. Uh, it, better moments this season than she did in season two. Uh, am I wrong in interpreting that, that the hail The Charlotte Hale, that's Wyatt. That's the evil Dolores that we got in season two.
1: I think she's something different. Like, the the entire notion of having different Doloreses in different bodies kind of played out as like a gimmick. Like, Hale doesn't really act much like a Dolores that we know, and having it in Musashi, again, like, it was a glorified cameo. You trot him on for a minute, Uh and he dies in like a fight in eight seconds. It didn't really mean anything. Or Dolores was in that. Other dude, like the Irish Scottish security guard guy at um site. There you go. Yeah, you know the names. Um, it didn't really feel like the twist they were twisting lined up with what we were seeing. Like,
0: I the didn't whole care. Season, I didn't care about the yourself. show.
1: Is like a story of trying to pitch things at you that it wants to land really hard and just. Just, just throwing wide of the mark, like every time.
0: Yeah, like I, I, I did. I never once cared about Caleb Aaron Paul's character, and 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 I'm a big Aaron Paul fan. I like I, the actor. Fine. I just never really cared about his character. You know, like you, you mentioned, you know, caring about character. I, I, each season, I've been invested into certain characters. Okay, so I can tell you this: like season one, I was really into uh, young William. I was into Dolores. I was into uh, Logan. I, liked, I was into like, Maeve
1: when I was in uh, season one.
0: And, and Maeve. Maeve, Logan. Uh, there were a lot of characters to really get into, right? So then the season two comes along and you're like, okay, so maybe I'll stick with um, Kichita, right? Because oh, he was Kicks- great, yeah. K- was, is is still, in my opinion, the best episode of Westworld in three seasons. And 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 so you didn't to me in season three, you didn't really have that character that really pulled you in, because number one, they were all Dolores. Number two, um, you just there just really wasn't that moment, that aha moment, you know? And and also, I don't know if you caught this, but Ramin Jawadi kind of seemed to be on the back burner. I didn't get a lot of his like I know he did he had some covers of different songs in there. Oh, but they were in there.
1: Definitely. They
0: were in there for sure, but like they were muted, right? Like they weren't. Well, like
1: they were there, but they, they didn't make a lot of sense because I mean, wasn't the point of his like, "Ooh, look at me," and we write a pop song, but now it's like with an old time piano thing or a Japanese um, instrument thing, the because you're in because you're in the theme park, mm-hmm. but now when David Bowie's "Space Oddity" plays, <laughs> but it's in a different key with different instruments. Like, why? Like, you're, 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 you're just out in the world. There's,
0: exactly. And, it's,
1: like, like, it's just there because it's a stylistic flourish they know you're expecting. It's not there because the story demands it. So what, it just, like, comes off as posturing for no reason.
0: What's his best song in season one? Is it Fade to Black? Sure. And then in season two, you've got Heart Shaped Box with Kixiya. You've also got. um. There's another really good one in season two. Oh, it's uh, Seven Nation Army when they're there at the Raj, right? Those are really, really good covers. I and- think I
1: heard, like, Black Hole Sun in there. By the way, like, whoever's choosing them clearly has this sort of 70s to early 90s fixation, like a rock thing going on. Like, if you're trying to, like, sell, like, it's about the breath, of human experience, like, no, it's about you in like, your high school, college years really, like... <laughs> Smoking the whatever and like holding up at your dorm room for a while, listening to these records. That's what it's about. Did you so, ever
0: hear "Sweet Child of Mine" in season three? Because I there was there was a teaser with "Sweet Child of Mine" playing. I got I went, oh my god, please give me Ramin Djawadi playing uh, covering "Sweet Child of Mine." and It never happened. I don't think. I don't I, remember it happening.
1: I wasn't listening for it. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. I don't know.
0: <sighs> okay, so a lot there was a lot going on in season three that just to me was just nonsense. Okay, so you've got you've got Dolores uh, as all, the, Dolores is everybody. You've got Caleb, who and was a bad guy at one point, but ends up being a good guy, and ends up being the Kyle Reese of humanity. Maeve, who was, to me, Maeve had her, you're right, she had great lines throughout the season, but was she wasted as the puppet of Serac? um I mean, she basically walked around with a sword the entire time. And which again
1: is like a badass look that yeah. doesn't really make a lot of sense. Right. Right,
0: right, exactly. <laughs> like it's I'm gonna cut their metal <laughs> and everybody else has guns. Um and and then um you know, like oh I'll give you I'll give you another I'll give you another one. In the finale, the uh, the one cameo that really just pissed me off to no end was Lawrence being being one of the riot cops. Who meets uh, Bernard and Stubbs after he chases off the man in black, right? So, like, he, he shows up at the truck and he pulls down his, his, his bandana and it's oh, Lawrence. Right. And I'm like, oh my god, please say motherfucker. Because that's his line from b- both seasons, right? He doesn't even say it. And I'm like, uh, it's another Dolores. Yay. Yeah, so- they really
1: drained. Just, I don't know, whatever (laughs) idiosyncrasies they had going for them were kind of flattened out. Also, is it just me, or was there, like, a big lack of crowds in this season? Like, the scenes didn't really feel very lively. Like, when they, when Dolores and Caleb went to that big, like, uh, Solomon computer lab or whatever, like the one where the schizophrenic supercomputer was being held up, Mm -hmm. like, she killed, like, three, like, four guys and then this huge facility, which is housing like thousands of outliers in comas, and a hugely dangerous supercomputer. there's no one there. Like and they're just walking around and they're the <laughs> only people there. And then Maeve comes and she's the third person there. And it's just it it it, 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 it just feels like it's taking place on like a bare sound stage or something, where there's just not enough interaction or like context happening. I
0: didn't like it. Did, didn't it, talk suffer, about it. did it Did suffer from only having eight episodes, not really fleshing everything Well, They out. made
1: them super duper long, so not really. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what else it could have said.
0: I guess I, I, probably, I would say less. You're probably right. You're probably right. I I would I would say, okay, okay. Before we move on, what did you think of the after credit scene? Like, um, I thought the whole man in black versus the man in black was kind of weird. Does that mean that William has now been tested for fidelity or is that just another Dolores?
1: I think it's just a man in black. Like I don't think the robot, if I had to guess, I think the robot is just, it's not William. It's a version of William from the park, like the man in black William or something. I thought it was dumb because why is William even here at all? Like, he had a whole revelation where it's like, oh, I'm going to kill all the hosts in the world. Like, okay, okay, like, I guess I could see him as, like, the big bad of season four or something. Then they just kill him. And it's like, why did you even bother bringing him back? <laughs> was, was the thought that I had with that.
0: To me, I feel like, okay, so the Robin, HBO is greenlit season four. And so we'll probably get it in, what, two years from now? Um, no longer people. with
1: COVID, all that stuff happening. Yeah, um, it,
0: if it even happens at all, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if Ed Harris.
1: It better be the last one.
0: Yeah, I'll it better be, I love Ed Harris, right? I can watch, I can pretty much watch anything with Ed Harris. I mean, yeah,
1: like when he had lines, he, he made the most of them, but they're so generic. Yeah. Oh my God, you know who was wasted the most was Jeffrey Wright. Oh like, my
0: god, yes. Absolutely. What a great
1: actor given just nothing to do. But okay, you were saying about Ed Harris.
0: No, I'll say this about Jeffrey Wright. He nailed the scene where he goes to see Arnold's
1: Yeah, that wife. was not bad. That was a pretty good scene.
0: That was worth that that was his entire season wrapped up in one scene. That was a really good scene. Um no, but as far as Ed Harris goes, I would not be surprised if we ever get another season of Westworld. Um, I would not be surprised that there's going to be some kind of, some kind of ass hattery where the time goes. Oh yeah, we tested William for fidelity, and the guy who killed the other William, he was the one that, t- he's the one that tested for fidelity. I, I'm telling you, this shit is going to be so convoluted, more convoluted by the end. See, and here's the thing. Corey Smith can attest for this. And Corey Thone and I talked about this before the season started. And and Dan, and I'll even say this, Dan, you know this. I was the biggest cheerleader for Westworld. I loved season one. I even enjoyed season two until I rewatched it before season three. And then went, hmm, maybe some people were right. But still, there were things to like about season two. Season 3, to me, was just boring. I fell asleep in a lot of the parts. I I, I found it hard to stay awake in a lot of the parts. It just, to me, it wasn't great. And I'm hoping that something comes along that can take the place of Westworld that makes us all forget (laughs) that it even exists.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm kind of worried about HBO, frankly. Like, they renewed Westworld. Um, And although... Also, the ratings are going way down. Like, this is an expensive show that is not pulling in a lot because of how lame it is. Like, is it really a great investment? And they also and, renewed that um that Avenue 5 show, which was
2: oof.
1: really bad. Like, the worst it was Terrible. I've ever seen. I'm like, how are you doing, guys? Are you all right?
0: And that's the thing is, Westworld Season 3 had a captive audience. No, where were people going to go? They had to watch <laughs> that's something. That's a good
1: point, yeah. Even that couldn't help it. I mean, maybe the numbers are, like, way better on the the streaming um, end. It's harder to know that. It, it it seems like there's way less hype even than, than there was for season two. So, I don't know. If I was an executive at HBO, I would figure that's it, guys. <laughs> it's enough of this.
0: Let's just cut... Nolan and Joy lose. Let him go play on Amazon. We'll figure something else out. Let's yeah, throw... Them,
1: th- them. Go make something for that.
0: Let's throw all the money in the world at Lindelof and let him make another season of watching. And then... Uh... <laughs> okay, so uh, I think we've uh, harped enough on Westworld. Yeah. Uh,
1: I want to forget it for the next two years.
0: Yeah, I... For the next two and a half to three years, let's not talk about Western World. Um, let's talk about the Mandalorian, everybody's favorite subject. Now, we found out today that Disney has Disney has confirmed that the Mandalorian season two will air on Disney Plus as scheduled. So October, we're getting the Mandalorian season two, which is something to cheer about. That means. That, you know, they had already finished production before the pandemic set in. And that also means that a lot of the post-production work was able to be done uh, from the safety of someone's home. I, I read an article from Dave Filoni where he said that he and John Favreau were working hard on post-production. Uh, and I know they have Skywalker Ranch where they do a lot of stuff out there still. Even though George Lucas is teetering around somewhere. <laughs> So like I I I'm I'm happy that we're going to get the Mandalorian season two um when they said they were gonna deliver it to us. That being said, I, I'm concerned with all the different Star Wars legacy characters coming into play. And Corey, since we haven't heard from you, since you're not a Westworld person, what's your biggest concern as it, as it pertains to all of these characters coming in?
2: Well I mean my my concern I mean I have two trains of thought on on this you know in season 1 we they had a lot of guest stars right they weren't any, they weren't legacy characters but that we had a lot of you know people we are excited to see pop up right and for the most part most you know those characters didn't stick around I know you had um you had the God, I can't remember his name. The, Nick Nolte's character uh, <laughs> What was his name? I don't even remember his name. Sona
1: squat Alien.
2: Okay, there you go. And uh and then of course uh what it Kara Thrace? The the one Caridun. played by Kara sorry. I mean, other than those two, really, the the rest of them didn't stick around. They were kind of one episode, they would be there. And, yeah, and then, that's a good point. You know what I mean? So I, I I just wonder if maybe Gilbert that's yeah, so I wonder if that might be I'm hoping that's what's going on. You know, that they have her you know, they have the Mandalorian run into these different people for one episode, maybe two episodes, but they don't become you know, it doesn't become an ensemble cast. It still stays focused on the Mandalorian. Um and so because yeah, I mean we're getting Ashoka I mean, some of these characters I'm not super familiar with, but I know they're big characters on Rebels and, and Clone Wars and stuff. So okay, well
0: let me lay it out for you. You've got you've got Rosario Dawson playing Ahsoka. You've right. got um, the rumor that she's going to bring along with her Sabine Wren and Rex. Rex is from the Clone Wars. He's uh, Ahsoka's like Ahsoka's clone commander. He, he worked with Ahsoka in the Clone Wars. Sabine is from Star Wars Rebels. At the very end of Star Wars Rebels. Sabine and Ahsoka went on a mission to go find somebody. So those three characters will come in together. Then you've got then you've got Boba Fett, which if you watch every you know, everybody's seen um The Mandalorian season one. There was that scene on Tatooine where um Ming Nan Wen's character was laying in the desert and that boot was with, with uh walked up beside her and everybody was like oh my god that's Boba Fett's boot okay I can see them bringing in Boba Fett because of that now the inner the inner extended universe kidding me is like oh fuck yeah he escaped the Sarlacc pit bring in Boba Fett I'm very excited but you know do we really need Boba Fett in a show about Mandalorians already I I don't know if that's a waste Do we really need Boba Fett anyway he's a side character at best And what's the fifth character I'm missing there, Dan? Do you know?
1: Uh, Katie Sackhoff from Battle of Galactica as...
0: Bo-Katan. I mean,
1: I don't know who this is, but yeah, Bo-Katan. Who's going to talk about Bo-Katan? I don't watch the show. I'm sorry. I'm sure she's Again,
0: again, she's a a Mandalorian. She played a huge part in the final episodes of The Clone Wars. She was throughout throughout the seasons of The Clone Wars. Um, So you've got Bo-Katan, Sabine Wren... And and uh, Boba Fett as Mandalorian type characters, even though I know, I know, I know, Boba Fett's not technically a Mandalorian. He's a clone of a Mandalorian. Whatever, I don't care. He's a Mandalorian. So you've got these three Mandalorian type characters. Um, I think the reason they bring, if I think the reason Katie Sekoff, which I love to death, as as Bo Katan is going to be in the Mandalorian, is she was the last person to wield the dark side. Before Moff Gideon had it, I here's my here's my opinion. I think you're only going to see Bo Katan in a flashback. Something's going to happen where Moff Gideon has her gunned down, has her killed, or whatever, and he takes the dark sa- the dark saber from her. I, I I just don't see them cramming such a a very popular character who's obviously going to seek vengeance on Gideon into this show, there's, I mean, like, each episode's 30 minutes long, and each episode could be considered its own, its own anthology-type show, right? Anthology-type episode. So, I think bringing in Bo-Katan's a mistake, unless she's a flashback.
1: I mean, like, that's the confidence I have, right? Because, I mean, like, you, you hear this and you think, okay, it looks like Dave Filoni is trying to smuggle in all those favorite characters from other shows and just... Play with them in this new pl- sandbox. But I mean, Corey, you're right. that They did do a, they were pretty judicious in the first season about making it very focused on the Mandalorian and the baby. Um, and they kind of came into the orbit of these other people and just kind of went in and went out. Hopefully that's what it's like. And I will say, I don't know Dave Filoni very well. David, I know you know him pretty well. But um, hearing about him and like the passion he has for this stuff, I'm willing to trust him and see where it goes if it does go to shit and it does become a you know uh effective sequel to his other shows because he wasn't done telling them then that's lame but you know yeah until we see anything else it's fine do your thing
2: yeah i mean i i i think the first season earned them some trust you know because they could have they yeah. could have gone that way earlier on and had you know, Boba Fett be a big part of it or something like that. Um, but yeah, is I think as long as they keep it anthology based with you know sort of you know a little bit of an overarching storyline, then I think they'll be fine. And I, I just hope that they, you know, we said it a hundred times when we were watching the episodes that you know the the great part about it was that it was anthology based and it didn't have a huge connection to the to the overall, you know, to the Skywalkers and the Palpatines and all that stuff and I just hope that they know that was the the key to the success was showing us a corner of the Star Wars universe that wasn't related to this. It's a huge universe. We don't have to see what the Skywalkers are doing. We don't have to see what, you know what I mean? Yeah. And right, so yeah. I, I as long as I think as long as they keep it that way, I'm okay with them popping in a character here or there um, because on on a certain level that makes sense you know that some of these characters that were so involved in mandalore's history would make appearances right, but I just don't want it to be you know now it's the Ashoka and the Mandalorian show well you know I, what I mean
0: I, here's 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 the only way like as much as I love and i've watched the mandalorian two or three times now like just and casually i'll turn it on in the background as i'm working like it's just it's that kind of show you can let it run and yes
2: and that's and that's and and that's what's great about it we don't yeah, have every exactly. show doesn't have to be the west it doesn't have to be westworld exactly where you, need, where you, you know your fucking hour some, and 20 minute episodes just yeah that has or, to
1: end by the way everyone's doing that now
2: yeah or that you need like a schematic to like figure out what fucking time zone you're watching and like <laughs> who's related to who you know what i mean like it, you can have these simple shows i think that you know i think we kind of got caught up with these grand overarching storylines and maybe game of thrones was a, a lot to to oh, blame for that
1: i completely and, blame game of thrones for this blame yeah, game
2: of thrones and and listen and you can do those shows too But that doesn't mean you can't just have a simple show that focuses on a a bounty hunter making his way around the universe, you know, taking down bounties. Like, it doesn't have to be about saving the universe. You know what I mean? It can just be about him trying to get his bounty or him trying to protect that kid or, you know what I mean, saving a little city. It doesn't have to be this huge thing all the time. We don't always need that. So, hopefully they they realize that i trust them i think they do know that i think it's kind of coming out now because post production's going on and you know we're just finding out all these people that are appearing in it but I, I i'm i'm willing to trust them that they aren't turning this into some big ensemble piece and that it stays kind of focused on the mandalorian and the child or you know whatever you call them, baby yeah.
0: here's here's the way that i'll be able to be happy with these characters making their appearances and hopefully quickly uh, exiting stage left. Like, OK, so like I hope that we see Ahsoka um, and I hope she's I hope she's got Sabine and Rex with her. And they just it's a momentary stop through. Like there's is, there's is a back. Hopefully there's a backdoor pilot for yeah, the Ahsoka. And that, would be, that yeah, would be great, too. Yeah, like, great. That would be great, right? Like that would be awesome. Let's let's see what Rosario Dawson actually looks like on screen, full makeup, full Togruta headtails, twin lightsabers. Let's see what she looks like, right? But then let's go ahead and take, take 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 it take it off the screen. Let's get back to to the Mandalorian, and then okay, so you want to bring in Boba Fett? Boba Fett's a dickhead. He's he's not a good guy. He's never been a good guy. So maybe the Mandalorian takes the Boba Fett out. I'll put it to you this way: When Disney acquired um, Lucasfilm, they made the conscious decision to to kill the extended universe. And in the extended universe, Boba Fett climbed out of the Sarlacc pit. So what they do? What did Disney do? They had a guy named Chuck Wendig write a book called Star Wars Aftermath. And in that book, it it talks about a sheriff in on Tatooine. In one of the towns, Anchor Bay or Anchored Head or whatever, he t- he talks about him finding a Jawa sand crawler and going into the crawler looking for like bits and pieces of armor, and he finds Boba Fett's scarred, dented armor, and he buys it for himself, and he becomes the new Boba Fett. But he's a good guy. I don't need. I don't. I don't even need that. I don't, I don't want that. Okay, so like. If Boba Fett's gonna be in a show, it's gonna be really Boba Fett, and we already know it's played by uh uh Tamara Morrison, right, Dan? I mean, I don't know if that's
1: how you say it, but yeah. yes. Good, yeah, good so that's,
0: that's the guy who played Django Fett in Attack of the Clones. So let's let you know, so obviously it's gonna be some it's it's gonna be Boba Fett. Let's just kill him, be rid of him, and be like, Okay, that was your shot, Josh Trank. This is what we think about your stupid movie. Your character's dead now. Okay, so and and that's fine. I would be happy with that. You know, like take these characters that that everybody's so worried about and just get rid of them and then my biggest thing is I want I want there to be some kind of resolution between Moff Gideon, Bo-Katan and the dark saber that has to do with the Mandalorian. Each think about this. Each episode of The Mandalorian, he learned a new skill, right? Or he got a new piece of armor, right? So, like by the end, by the end of, of season one, he learned how to use his jetpack and he brought down Moff Gideon's Tie Fighter. So now there's this dark saber out there. The dark saber is this legendary weapon in Star Wars, and it's held by the Mandalorian to uni- to unify Mandalore and blah blah blah. It was it was created by the very first Mandalorian Jedi. Okay, great. If that's why you want to bring in Bo Katan and bring in a talent like Katie Sackhoff, then I'm one thousand percent for that. Um but then let's move on and let's let's like show let's let's show baby Yoda like in, in the teenage years, I guess. I don't know. But keep it short, keep it sweet, keep it to what how many episodes was in season one? Eight? I
2: think around that I thought it was ten. Was it ten? I thought it was eight. I have but, to double check,
0: but keep it between eight and ten episodes. You just don't need to extend it. You know, I don't even need an hour long episode. Just give me the 30 to 45 minute episodes and I'll be happy. And um, hopefully we'll see a couple more seasons of this until they find their next big thing, which is like the Ahsoka live action show or which is the Obi-Wan Kenobi or the uh, or the Cassian Andor show. So, yeah,
2: I mean, I don't think you have to kill the characters per se, but it, as long as their overall involvement is limited, um, I'm, I'm in for that because, you know, some of these characters just in the world he lives in, it, it makes sense that he would bump into them from time to time, right? So, you know, cause they all, all the characters are kind of casting or bounty hunters or Mandalorian, you know what I mean? we haven't necessarily had Anakin Skywalker show up yet. You know what I mean? So uh, these are people that I think make sense on some level that he would run into, you know, but as long as they keep it a limited involvement, you know, maybe get us excited for a spinoff for any of the characters, then I'm fine with it. As long as that's all it ends up being.
0: Dan, any final thoughts on Uh, the Mandalorian?
1: I think we covered it. I think we're good.
0: <laughs> I think we did. I think we covered quite nicely. <laughs> what? What? Oh, you know what? You know who we didn't talk about. Who's the guy that um that's from uh, Tombstone who's gonna be playing a, a bounty hunter in this in the season? Michael Bean. Bean. That's right. Oh,
2: love that guy.
0: He's I awesome. hope he's probably gonna be on a, a one episode, a one off episode guy. But whatever. Yeah.
2: Like all the guys, like
0: Mark <laughs> Boone Junior. from Sons of Anarchy, that is right. Had, and then, yeah, yeah.
2: What, Who's the guy who played the with the big horns on his head? He's in a lot of stuff. I forget yeah. his his name. Yeah, just I'm fine throwing people like that in, you know, every once in a while, and they're in an episode, and then they're not, you know, and we don't have to worry about it.
0: Cool, cool, cool. All right, let's talk about our final topic of the night. And this one, uh, I'm going to take a backseat, too, because I, 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 have, I have thoughts, but I want to hear Corey Smith's thoughts first. Uh, the Last Kingdom Season 4 dropped on Netflix, what, two weeks ago, Smith? Yeah, two, two weeks ago
2: this, this weekend, I believe.
0: And um, I'm, 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 I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the previous season, but I know that you are the man when it comes to The Last Kingdom uh so take it
2: away what were your thoughts um yeah no i thought it was a good season i mean i think it's important to note they they had a lot of new you know not just from on screen you know they had a lot of new characters on screen but they also had a, a new writing staff you know they had a new showrunner um you know the producers i think were the same but they had a uh, Stephen bouchard who who wrote uh the majority of the first 3 seasons um served as a showrunner he he had left the project so it it was going to always have a different feel to it i think and so it, it i think you know the first time I, i'm making my way through it a second time right now the first time i i went through i felt like the first 3 or 4 episodes were really um frenetic like they were really there's just a lot going on and a lot of things yeah. happening And then I felt like the final six episodes kind of went back to the pace that the the rest of the series um, has kind of been known for. So, um, you know, I I liked it a lot. There was a lot of really interesting new characters that got introduced. A lot of new talent that they kind of have brought on board. And so I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, I think no matter what, season four was always going to be kind of a reset for them. Cause obviously season three, they lost Alfred who was basically the co-lead of the show. They lost Ethelwald, They lost Ragnar, you know, they lost a lot of major characters that sent the remaining characters in new directions. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't call it a bad season by any stretch. Um, I thought it was really enjoyable, but it definitely had a different feel than some of the other seasons.
0: Is it fair for me to say that I really did not like Brita this season?
2: I Yeah, but I don't think you're supposed to. And um, I think, you know, it's interesting having read ahead and read all the books. You know, I've
0: not read any of the books, no.
2: I've read the books, and this is kind of the start of where Brita really goes down the dark path, down the dark side, whatever you want to call it. So I, you know, I don't think you were supposed to like her, but I think... It was interesting because this was the season, you know, she had tried so hard to keep this whole conflict going between the Danes and the Saxons, and she just keeps getting let down by every man in her life. Um, you know, it started with Uhtred. Um, I think Ragnar was was trying to till, until he got killed, and then obviously she thought she had found someone in Canute that would take care of it, and then he you know, went off, f- flew off the handle, and got himself killed. Um, and you know, and then she thought with C- uh, C- uh, C- uh, C- uh, C- um that Citra, yeah, that he was going to be the one to take her. Um, you know, to keep the war going, and she just kept getting let down by everybody around her. And I think we're starting to see where she finally kinda of goes full villain. She'd always kinda of teetered there, but I think this is when you finally are, are seeing it. So
0: did I hear this right? Uh during the show, uh, I've only watched it once. Was is Seachaker is he um the son or the cousin of um what's the kid from Vikings I um, Ivar
2: the Boneless.
0: Ivar the Boneless. how He's is he related to,
2: to Boneless? Uh grandson is what they said on the show, I believe. Okay. Um, so yeah, he's supposed to be, I mean, he's based on a real life character, um, who's actually named Citric. Uh, but they, they changed his name because Uhtred has his, uh, has one of his guys' name is Citric. So they changed, change it to something a little more complicated, I guess, but, uh, yeah, there were like
1: he's based... eight names back then. They <laughs> weren't all impossible yeah. to spell. No, I right. did
2: Dan,
0: Dan Dan i don't know if you're like me, but I just think everything on the show is called Ethel something Ethel something,
2: <laughs> yeah kind of Ethelwald <laughs> Ethel fled Ethelred yeah A- Ethel Stan is the new one, um you know, but yeah, he was actually I really enjoyed his character I don't know uh what you thought about him, but I thought for me he was the most interesting of the new characters um. Yeah, he because, was
0: a thoughtful Dane. He actually thought about what he was going to do. Like, he made plans.
2: Right, and he made, you know, he wasn't necessarily just thinking about how to pillage and and gain silver. He was thinking about land and a place to settle and a home and that's what he was kind of bargaining with by taking Wessex, I mean by taking uh, Winchester. And so I really enjoyed that character um, and he was super interesting to me, so I'm kind of That'll be fun to see where it goes, you know, down the road.
0: Does Utrecht ever age because he seems the same age right. as he was in season one? <laughs> yeah.
2: It's kind of yeah, especially now that and it's it they could get away with it when his kids were, you know, nine, ten years old, but now he's got a full grown son and daughter that are that are running around getting into their own adventures, and it's kinda like Yeah, we need to see a little bit more, you know, uh, of him slowing down. It's the same way in the books. It's like, I think in the books, uh, in the last book, he's like, he's got to be close to, he's got to be at least 50, 55. And he's still out there, like, throwing down with, you know, the biggest warriors in the the realm. And it's kind of like, all right, you know, back then, 50, 55 is like, (laughs) that's a... You know what I mean? That's a grandfather. That's an old yeah. man back They're then. Killing over,
0: yeah. So here's what got me in the season, man. Like, okay, so I, I I queued up one one Saturday. I was like, I'm gonna watch this over the weekend. No kids. I can watch it in two days. No problem. So I I, I queued it up and boom, uh, Bianca dies. Right? right, and I'm like, right. what the fuck? I love this guy. and then. And then Utrecht goes on this, you know, he's lost Father Bianca, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, there's a ton of kids. They're playing like nursing age kids, all tracing through the countryside of Anglia, Anglia, Anglia,
2: East Anglia.
0: East Anglia. And then, you know, it's hard for me to keep up with who he's in love with and who he's not in love with. And then all of a sudden, he's getting baptized. And the one person that I really, really wanted to die was Alfred's wife. I, I hate that woman, and I'm so Elizabeth. glad that, I'm so glad that she got poisoned. We don't know she's dead yet, though, do we? No:
1: Hey, Corey, do you know um, why the showrunner left after the third season?
2: Okay, so I spoke to him this morning, actually. Oh, uh, I, yeah, I had an interview with uh, Stephen Bouchard this morning. Um, and he kind of he kind of passed on to me that he just felt like season three was a good time for him to step away that he had done a large part of the series, and kind of like what what I said earlier, season three was kind of the end of a lot of character arcs, and sure. so he felt like it was a perfect time for him to step out and let someone else kind of step in because it was kind of a new beginning for for a lot of people so he didn't seem. I mean, he yeah. said he's still a huge fan of the show, and he loves all the guys over at Carnival Films that produced the the show, and he's interested to see how it all goes. And he sounded extremely excited for season four. So I don't think it was any. It didn't sound like it was anything, you know, bad untoward. So,
1: well, yeah. That, that... That's a shame. I, I was hoping for a sex scandal or something. Yeah, but that's first, fine. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> it was
2: pretty. He just, you know, was stepping away. So, but
1: um, I'm back glad to, he's
2: a well adjusted, healthy person. Yes. And uh, I mean, back to kind of what you were saying, David, you know, <sighs> like I said, I think initially it did feel a little frenetic in the first couple episodes because there's a lot going on. But, you know, yeah, you, have
0: a, you have that gigantic battle right. Like, in the first, what, five episodes? And I, think it's an five episode,
2: of? I think it's in episode four. Yeah. Yeah, so, and then, you know, but one of the things, you know, you talk about Bianca's death. Um, you know, one of the things that the show does better than Bernard Cornwell's books, uh, which are excellent. Um, I don't mean this to sound like any kind of huge criticism, but one of the things the show does better is that it, it places a lot of the character's deaths on screen so for example like in the books Father Biaka he he dies off page and he gets a quick mention by Uhtred uh, when he's thinking about some monastery or something Mm. Um, and so and same thing with Ragnar you know Ragnar died in season three Um, you know he dies in between books and Uhtred just kind of thinks about how Ragnar got fat and old and died and, and see, I all cared I'm- about
0: both those characters,
2: <laughs> right? And so, so yes, it was kind of stunning to see Bianca die, at, at, you know, early on in the season, episode three, um, right at the beginning of episode three. But I do think that you know these characters have natural ends, and the show does a good job of letting us feel those deaths. Um, instead of them happening off screen, where we don't have any kind of emotional connection to them, so um, you know. And then, you know, I, I have to really disagree with you on Ailsworth because not that I, I don't like the character, but I think it's a case of you know the you know Eliza Butterworth who who plays her does such an incredible incredible job of playing that character. Oh yeah, do that you do hate her so much.
0: And the same thing with like Ewan Re Rewan playing uh uh Ramsey Bolton.
2: Obviously, right. yeah. Yeah, and and you just and it's the same thing with her in the books. In the books, she goes off to a nunnery after Alfred dies, and that's all you ever hear from her. Um, and so I was it was I enjoyed watching her navigate this season because she's a lot less certain than she had been in seasons past, you know what I mean? And you got to see her kind of be a little more pragmatic, kind of like Alfred was in the other seasons. Um, and you got to see her kind of, she didn't straight apologize to Uhtred, but you got to see her kind of understand Uhtred's worth. And that just because he's a pagan doesn't mean he's a, a bad person, you know? Okay. So, go ahead
0: not not using your book knowledge and before we wrap this this section of the podcast up um and move to one last part um i'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you a little rapid fire question number one worst death in season four worst death
2: stiapa <sighs> which uh, one was that one Stiappa was he was the commander of the king's guard and he was in the first. He was in the first two. He was in season two and three. He was kind mm-hmm. of the the guy they all call Big Man. Um, mm-hmm. played mm-hmm. by Adrian Bouchette. And and during the battle, he kind of gets knocked aside by a horse, and then he takes an axe to the back of the head. And it was kind of just like blink, and it was over.
0: Okay, I'm gonna say that that jerk, the jerkwad who was, who was the king of Ang- Anglia. Aethelred getting his head twisted yeah. into a—that yeah. was one of the worst deaths. I I was like, oh my god, I have to, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I had to mute it. That's how bad it was.
2: Yeah, could, the sound effect. Yeah, no, the sound effects were pretty rough in that scene because he took he took kind of the blow to the back of the head during the battle, so he kind of had an open portion of his skull already, um, and obviously back then that's basically a death sentence. Um, okay, and then yeah, when he kind of when Eric Wolf kind of sticks his thumbs in there, or I don't know what he was <laughs> doing, and you're just like, oh, that was yeah, that was that was pretty rough. That
0: was so gnarly. Okay, next question. I'm gonna, I got one more after this for you. Next question. Um, Brina is giving birth at the end of the season, mm-hmm. and don't go into book. Don't go into book spoilers. Just just say, are we going to see the rise of some truly? Devious bastards raised by a vengeful mother.
2: Yeah, so you say don't go into book knowledge, but that doesn't happen in the books. She never, ah, she never, cool. she never gets pregnant. But I will say she, in the you know, I do think we're in, in, we've got a super vengeful, hateful Dane leader coming down the pipes. Because I just, yeah, she's gonna raise that kid to hate christianity uh for all she can and yeah i mean it's not going to be about silver or land for that kid it's going to be about revenge and you know trying to wipe out anybody who believes in christianity
0: and finally um utred's daughter and citric do you think we're looking at something is it true love or is it a a union of
2: convenience was was citricer uh not, citric-er, not citricer. i'm sorry yeah sorry yeah no um I, I think you're looking at at some sort of true love i think that those two kind of see things differently both of them and i think that they're both highly intelligent and don't really you know especially steora is not willing to kind of you see she doesn't want to be a nursemaid she doesn't want to be a housewife she, you know, she wants adventure and she wants to be out on the front lines, and I think that's something that Citrager is going to respect. And, you know, I think they, like I said, they both see things differently, and I think that common bond is going to lead to some sort of romance.
0: Well, I look forward to seeing what happens in the next season of The Last Kingdom. Um, our last topic tonight will be. A show that is, it was near and dear to my heart back when it was first aired, and I've only seen the first episode of it this time. Dan, uh, walk us through what's going on in Penny Dreadful City of Angels.
1: Okay, interesting show. So Penny Dreadful, you watched that little Penny Dreadful, Debbie? you said? Yes. So that was, uh, ran from like 2014, 2016, John Logan, this kind of... Deep, dark, brooding, gothic show set in Victorian uh, England, Victorian London, involving, like, what if, you know, werewolves and uh, vampires and um, the Frankenstein's monster, like, all these, like, Victorian legends were real. Um, Drenched in emotion. Fun, good watch. Ava Green was amazing in it. Um, Good show. I liked it. So John Logan, the guy who did that, came back a few years later with this new show peripheral city of angels which has nothing to do with the old one at all now we're in 1930s era los angeles we're in the lead up to world war 2 we are following tiago vega who is a chicano detective on the lapd who's partnered with nathan lane who's an older jewish detective so they're both like kind of on the
0: outs guys and they're, they're my favorite too by the way but in, oh yeah oh, totally yeah they're
1: good <laughs> Um, investigating a murder that probably has to do with, is tied up with like Nazism, and uh, some kind of plan to build a real-life turnpike through a Mexican neighborhood, and meanwhile, Natalie Dormer, who is playing i I'm not sure if it's invented or not, demoness named Magda, who is trying to sway humanity to the brink of war. Okay, there's a lot going on in this show. Um, and it's not boring. Well, it's not that boring. Um, I've liked watching it. It's really sumptuously made. Um, they they love their, like, kind of um, 1930s detective era period gear with the hats and the cigarettes and the mm-hmm. different suits and the dresses and all that stuff. Um, clearly, this guy has a lot in his mind. I mean, he's... It's... It's like almost on the nose. He's like paralleling. You see the parallels? It's tribalism and it's uh, we're getting into our political bubbles and we're not seeing each other and we're leaning into fascism. Yada, yada, yada. He's trying to make that comparison, I think, to our modern times, pretty obviously. Um, And Natalie Dormer is really is definitely like the Ava Green of this show. Like she's the one who is vamping it up and kind of just showing off her acting ability in this And she's, she's killing it.
0: Everything I've seen her in, she's killing she's it. She's
1: very, very good. Although, in the latest episode, she's playing a... Her, like, newest form is a white woman who was raised in Mexico and is part of the Mexican street gang and is, like, the leader. <laughs> and I'm like... I, 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 I wasn't quite as convinced by that one. That one seemed like... Eh, I don't know about that one. The other ones, though, really, really, really good, and that one was fine. Um, it hasn't like completely come together for me yet. It's three episodes in. Um, it, I, I'm definitely interested enough to keep watching because I like that it has something on its mind. Like it, it has a a message it wants to give to you. I almost think I almost feel like they don't even need the supernatural part in this. Like it's almost there as like a holdover of the Penny Dreadful name. And that he more wants to tell Mm. this, like, story about class and race and cultural conflict in the 1930s in Los Angeles. Um, And he just can't help, like, shoving a great Natalie Dorman performance into it, just because. But, I mean, she is really, really good.
0: Didn't he say while he was writing uh, City of Angels, at least he's the one that he was modeling after Trump's America? Is he the one that said that?
1: Yeah, I mean well, it, like one of the actors said it about him. It's it's painfully obvious if you watch the show that he's going for he's going for a whole metaphor thing with the rise of rise of nationalism in the thirties, kind of paralleling the rise of nationalism now, in our country now. It's it's not super duper subtle there. Um but it's rich and the performances are really earnest. I'm convinced by like the romances they have going, by the kind of oozing, kind of rich sensuality they have going on. It is a good watch so far. I don't I know think... if it's going it's to come together exactly, because it, it's, it's pretty ambitious. It it could explode in the test tube, but we'll see.
0: It's got a lot to live up to, because like you said, the first Penny Dreadful, that Victorian... Like, dark, scary, like, and plus the cast from the first Penny Dreadful was...
1: It's so different, though. Like, it yeah. is. I I again, I almost say, like, I almost feel like the name Penny Dreadful is just put on, put onto it just for, like, branding. Because there's, really, there's very little in common. Which I think and is let's, fine.
0: Let's just say this. As much as I enjoy Natalie Dormer, I think she's a phenomenal actress. I think she's a good actress. She's not Ava Green. Not yet. Well, I mean, Not, she had, uh,
1: like, like for, for this role, it's more about, like, it, 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 it's like that Meryl Streep thing, where it's like, ooh, she can be anybody, right? So, like, that's the impressive bit. I will say, like, the way she plays, like, the different characters, that like she plays, like, this mousy bureaucrat lady, which is probably the, the most fun one. And, uh, like, a put-upon German immigrant wife who's like beaten by her husband and kind of seducing. The that's the dude. one
0: that got. That's the one that got me when, cause I remember I watched the first episode and right. they went from the demon Magda and I was like, Ooh, cool. Look at her. She's like this demon. and It's really cool. Yeah. But all We're of a sudden right. she was this mousy German housewife. And I was like, wait, who is that really? I, mean, like, dorm-?
1: I think they all work. Like she's selling all of them. Except maybe the white Mexican gang leader. That one I was raising my eyebrow at, but <laughs> we'll see where that one goes. So so far, yeah, it, it's pretty it's pretty interesting, and um, easy to watch. goes and Nathan Lane is, is having a great time. I'm enjoying him quite a lot. It's like a it's like a hard edged like, rogue cop who, like, doesn't play by the rules. It just, it's kind of against type for him, so it's
0: fun. <laughs> yeah, he really is good in this, and I, I enjoy him in it. I Honestly, man, at this point in time, in 2020, we, we're coming into, what, the first week of May, Our we're ending, we're coming into the second week of May, I guess, or we're entering into the second week of May. There's not a lot of shows out there like that. All the big shows have already ended, correct? So, like, we're looking for something. We're looking for something to carry us through the summer. Um, Penny Dreadful has the potential to do that, but um, I, I keep I keep hoping for um, Netflix to save me. <laughs> like, come on, Netflix! Please, like, surprise me with something. Uh, I don't know because HBO. I haven't looked at HBO's schedule coming down the pipe, but I I don't know what they've got coming up. Usually at this time of year. Uh, it's not Game of Thrones, obviously, so I don't know what's coming coming down the pipe for uh, HBO. So I'll continue to watch Penny Dreadful. Uh, maybe if it's yeah, just name, it name recognition alone, I'm a huge Billions fan on on Showtime. Outlanders ended, so like there's really not like there's really nothing to watch on that side. So man, it's like a I lot just of- started People
2: watching. Are- uh, I just started watching Succession. Oh nice. Uh, <laughs> I'm about five or six episodes into succession. Um, and yeah, it's pretty good. It's Who's it's your who's your favorite character so far? Um probably Kendall. Um Really? You know, it, yeah, it's it's strange, so my family is not anywhere like near as as, as rich or anything like that. <laughs> but no they're we not have we, before my grandfather passed away, Mike. And then I've talked to other members, like my cousins and and stuff like that about the show that have seen it. And it really, like my grandfather really reminds them of, of Roy and, um or of, what's his name? Logan, Logan Roy. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And you know, like I watched the Thanksgiving episode the other night and that's Maybe. like, exactly how the holidays were when we would go up to my grandfather's like compound where Uh, he slept grandkid. Yeah. I mean, it was just, (laughs) it was just, yeah. Like you would see stuff like that. Like not, he never, like my grandfather never slapped any of the kids, but just, you know, he would like, what's wrong with that kid or, you know what I mean? you just got that kind of same vibe. It really reminded me, it, it was kind of a little too close to home for a lot of that stuff. Um, but no, I'm really enjoying the show. It's, it's, uh, I also said it kind of reminds me of Gilmore girls in a way (laughs) where there's just this, the dialogue is just flying left and right. You know what I mean? And it does do that. You you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's back and forth and back and forth, back and forth. And it's just, it's just kind of, you really have to be like sitting there with your eyes open, trying to really hear everything that's going on because it just it's just pouring off the if you
0: like if you like Kendall now wait till season two Jeremy Strong who plays Kendall turns in one hell of a performance in season yeah. two.
2: I think
1: he was summoned for an Emmy. Did he yeah.
0: win? He may have. I, I don't, forget I... but
1: yeah he's terrific. The show's great. To me like it's the real Game of Thrones successor. Like forget mm-hmm. Westworld. Like this is mm-hmm. way more Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it, it's it's fun to watch, especially. Uh, I mean, I like all a lot of the characters are super interesting. Like Kieran, uh, Kieran Colkin, uh, yeah, Roman, Roman. Is, is super fun. <laughs> um, Roman is such a sleazeball. Um, I love him. And, and I like the second episode when he kind of jerks off on the window, I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck am I watching? What is going on here? <laughs> you know, you're just like, he's not about to do that on the window. Yes, he is. Okay, he did it. Now let's watch them clean it up with Kleenex. Okay, great. <laughs> and you're just like, so, I mean, this show is incredibly well-written. I mean, and and well-acted. And like I said, you, you do have to really be kind of paying attention because they just, it's, everything's flying back and forth, you know, kind of pretty wild. So I'm enjoying that, you know, why I'm stuck in quarantine because I don't think we're getting a whole lot of new shows. I think we've Probably gotten... Not. I think we've gotten kind of our our new shows. You know, we got Last Kingdom, we got Penny Dreadful, we got Westworld. I think we're really about to hit uh, a wall of.
0: Well, I know that Georgia has is opened for business for people who like for like Hollywood. So I know The Walking Dead is going back to work for post production. I'm not sure where we're going to see the finale of season ten. Which, by the way, you and I have talked about this. The Walking Dead, yeah, but season that's 10, one episode. It's one episode, but it was you know, one. It, it oh was yeah, but a, they,
1: also have, like, the fear, they also have like the fear and they also have that whole other show they just delayed. <laughs> the,
2: yeah, the I, that's what I'm gone. saying. Like, I, I think we're really going to, we're really about to hit this, yeah, this, this right. wall, this empty space where we're, it's, there's not going to be a whole lot of new stuff coming out. It'll be interesting to see how the stuff, anything new that does come out, you know, how are those numbers skewed because they're one of the few things coming, you know what I mean? And like I read something the other day that um, they released that new trolls movie a couple weeks back to Mm -hmm. like home home download or something. And it did it did more in like the first five weeks than the original did in its entire theatrical run or something like that. And so, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how some of this stuff changes and and you know, we we keep saying adapt. I think changes are going to be some of this stuff's going to be permanent, and we're going to be... think about
0: what Disney Plus did. Disney Elite Plus 20. released The Rise of Skywalker on May fourth, which is like weeks ahead of when they were wanting to release it. They're um,
1: releasing the Hamilton, a movie version of Hamilton, like fifteen months early.
2: Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, July fourth, I think they said, or July third, or whatever. That is way is that way earlier a... than they were going to do it. Is yeah. that gonna be on Disney Plus as well? Yeah, Disney Plus. Hell yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah. I think it's gonna be fun to see. You know, I mean, we will have some growing pains and we're gonna have some dead periods, but I think it'll be interesting to see how stuff changes and adapts and how release schedules and production schedules, totally. um, you know, change as we're going through all this stuff. I'll I'm a little
1: afraid show. that it'll, that's gonna like gonna put an end to like the era of like the really big budget show. Like, I feel like yeah. that's the way we were going with like Game of Thrones bled into the Wheel of Time and Lord of the Rings. But with this, the studios are going to have to like really watch what they spend because they don't have as much wiggle room anymore. I feel like we like that era might end before it really got a chance to get going.
0: And here's the problem, like you, you mentioned Lord of the Rings, guys, so like Amazon's Think about what Amazon's got online right now. They've got Wheel of Time, they've got Lord of the Rings, they've got The Boys Season 2, and they've got uh, Jack Ryan Season 3, right? None of those shows um, are finished with... I don't, I don't know how how far they along they are in production or post-production, but imagine, God forbid, this is the worst-case scenario, this whole thing comes back in in, in the fall, right? You might as well You're counting all those shows basically out for another year, almost. Like you set them that far back. Look at CBS All Access. What has uh, they just finished Picard? Right, Picard was fantastic. It was great. It was a wonderful show. Discovery was supposed to follow right on its heels, and because they couldn't finish post production of Discovery, we still haven't got season three of Discovery. A lot of these shows that have missed their time slots. Could be pushed farther back if this thing comes back in the fall. God forbid that happens. So and and I think the 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 one the one production company, the one the one company out there that's gonna hurt the worst is the one with all the pans in the fire, and that's Amazon at this point.
2: They also have the most money yeah. though. So Yeah, and I, I would final. also I'd also say they're you know, because they have the most money, and they also are diversified you know in the, in, mm-hmm. and the yeah. and they're also being relied upon more than some of the you know because they're everybody's shipping stuff right now to their house so I think if i mean yes, it might delay some stuff and they might run into some complications with you know how long people were signed on to the project and they have other stuff in the pipe or whatever, but I think they are at least uniquely kind of positioned as opposed to just a straight movie studio, like say Netflix that doesn't yeah. have anything, you know, if they, if Netflix starts running out to running out of original content, they start getting in trouble, but at least Amazon has other revenue streams. Dan, yeah, what are we looking, I, I what are we looking there, for? Like
1: Disney and HBO are entertainment companies. Amazon is a shipping company that wants to use entertainment to get you to buy more of its products.
0: Yeah, the, the mouse is never going to go belly up, but what has Netflix got in the pipe? You've got Avatar, the last has, airbender, uh, right?
1: Well, that, that, that's that's not going to be made for a while now. Um, It's got this cursed thing that's like uh, King Arthur, but with sexy young people. <laughs> there we go.
0: There you go, and then you've got... You've I mean, got Netflix um, has like
1: 18,000 things you don't know what they are. Yeah,
0: they could add anything at any time, and you would just be like, oh, here's another documentary on, uh, on, uh, I don't know, pretty cool. Um, Netflix
1: follows the throw all the spaghetti at the wall method and something will stick. Um, (laughs) And, I mean, so far it's worked for them. Maybe it'll have to – it could be good in some ways, the slowdown, but it'll it'll make companies focus more. Because, like, most of the stuff on Netflix, most of the original stuff, like, no one ever watches, and they don't promote anyway – so maybe That's they could true. benefit from just like drilling down and saying, what should we prioritize?
0: That's true. That's true. Well, okay. This has been a very fun conversation. Uh, we've gone about a, an hour and 20 minutes into the podcast. Uh, it's been, it, we've, we've gotten some, some things off our chest. We've talked a lot, a lot about some good things here. So for myself, for Dan Selke, Corey Smith had to log off a few minutes early. I'm sure he's got kiddo duty to uh, handle. So um, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, if, if there's a certain show that you are really into now that you didn't hear us mention, or if there's something that uh, more questions you have about the podcast, let us know in the comments or on Twitter. And uh, we'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. bye, out of Mogulis.